You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 999 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And the NBA playoffs are here. Do not miss the biggest storylines and the team analysis you can find every single day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today's podcast will be on game one and a nice win for the Hawks, quite obviously. 107-105 up in New York, a pretty crazy atmosphere and as a top-line thought, obviously Trey Young is the story in this game. He was fantastic with 32-10, and 10, including the game winner. He was just you know, basically unstoppable offensively the entire game. I guess the top-five defense, he had pretty much the entire arsenal going in this spot. And the Hawks did have to come back in the second half. It was not all smooth sailing in a two-point win. Um, some heroic slate from Bogdanovich and Trey and even Lou Williams in the second half. But a very, very, very nice win. And honestly, the the quote-unquote goal for any road team in a series like this is to steal one of the first two at home. Obviously, you want to get both. But stealing, the, stealing one of the two has already happened. So now the Hawks, you have to say, are the favorites in the series because they have the first game in hand, and now home court is neutralized. So a very, very strong start to their playoff run. Their first playoff game is now their first playoff win in four years. And uh, Trey makes no friends in New York, but that's the way it's supposed to be. Rivalries and all of that, Trey was certainly taking the heat on himself, and he played like it. He was the superstar that the Hawks needed in this spot. And uh, plenty to get into on today's podcast. I'm not going to talk about everything in two hours. <laughs> I could probably do a two-hour podcast, basically, on this game. There was so much to get into. I'll do my normal spiel on this podcast. But if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Please subscribe to the podcast. And uh, our typical rundown here, we'll go through the pregame stuff, as well as sort of a blow-by-blow of what transpired during the game, and then some takeaways and some individual breakdowns later on in the podcast. So we'll start at the top. Um, both teams relatively healthy. In this game. Now, Brandon Goodwin is out for the Hawks. Cam Reddish is out as well. Goodwin was diagnosed with a respiratory condition. He's going to be out for the season now for Atlanta. As of Thursday, Cam Reddish has been progressing in his rehab to include some unrestricted individual workouts and limited stuff in team practice, but he's still at least two weeks away. He's going to miss the first round series at a, very, at a bare minimum. And Mitchell Robinson is the only guy out for the Knicks, so not a whole lot of uh, noise. So I will say this, we'll come back to this later on, but the both teams kind of used rotations that I was not expecting. Um, the Knicks, you know, Tom Thibodeau is famous for pushing guys a ton in the minutes department, and Julius Randle played 36 minutes in this game. Randle's played many more than that in the regular season this year. RJ Barrett, same thing, 32 minutes. He's been playing in the high 30s, low 40s regularly this year. Derrick Rose played a ton, but other than that, and, and Atlanta played more than normal, but not that much more. It was kind of a very regular season-like deployment on both ends of the floor. We'll get into that later on. Also, the Hawks started a group in this game of Trey Young, Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter returns the starting lineup in this game. Uh, J- John Collins and Clint Capella, that group, that five-man lineup, played only 16 minutes together in the regular season total. Um, and, you know, I would argue that's their best five players, but it's pretty crazy given all the injuries and especially Hunter's absence that they were not really on the floor together whatsoever. And the Hunter didn't play a, game, a ton in this game either, which we'll come back to. Um, the Hawks, by the way, according to our friends at AG, were one-and-a-half-point underdogs at tip-off. Not a huge surprise there. I picked the Hawks in the series uh, last week on this podcast. Hawks in six was my official pick. But even then, you know, you're 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 on you're on the road in New York. And by the way, MSG was rocking in this spot. You know, I try to be a, 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 sort of an unbiased observer. 
it was a lot of fun to see and hear and sort of take in a full building like that that was jacked up. And, you know, people that were covering the game in New York talked about how it's been the last that they've ever heard MSG. Just crazy atmosphere. And honestly, it makes it even more impressive that the Hawks, as young as they are, were able to withstand all of that and give this win. But sort of a toss-up game um, in practice and what actually happened. And also, according to the buddy market, both pregame and pre-series, Still a toss-up, but the Hawks now, of course, uh, sort of edge in front with this home, with this sorry, with this road win in Game One. Okay, we'll dive in now to the sort of the goings-on from this contest. So early on, the Hawks actually led pretty comfortably. Um, kind of a nervy start on both sides of the floor with the energy that was going on in MSG, probably some nervousness. Um, Trey got it going early on, had four, had four points in a row at the outset. They had DeAndre Hunter on Julius Randle. Uh, Randle hit one step back three, but as you probably saw throughout the game, Randle was pretty brutal in this game, honestly, overall. I'm not sure. In fact, I am sure. There were some people that wanted to credit Hunter with that, like, holy. I saw some tweets from basketball folks, like, uh, huge impact by DeAndre Hunter returning, and yes, I mean, it's nice to have DeAndre Hunter back, but he was not the guy who, like, stopped Julius Randle, uh, it was more of a team effort, to be sure, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure how much, how much he even guarded Julius Randle, he definitely did at times, he started on him in this game, but, uh, not a individual, uh, shutdown from Hunter, the Hawks led 12 to 5 after 6 minutes, the Knicks actually opened 2 of 14 from the floor, and one of those was a tip-in, that was, <laughs> their two makes were a tip-in, and a Julius Randle, like, contested step back three, and they were 2 of 14, the Hawks led by 11, actually, 22-11 early on. The first subs were Herter and Gallinari. Um, by the way, Gallinari with some new hair. That was a pretty adventurous decision by Gallo. Um, but from there, the rotation actually expanded to 10 in the first quarter. Now, that is more than I would have played, <laughs> to be sure. And the big th- there are two, sort of two different schools of thought here. Um, using 10 guys in a playoff game is not like that crazy. My bigger issue is is playing a full second unit, which the Hawks did for three minutes in the first half. I just think there's no, there's no reason to ever do that in a playoff series, um, to play the entire backup unit together. And the Hawks were minus three. It wasn't a complete disaster um, with uh, you know with Lou Williams, Herder, Snell, uh, Gallinari, and Kongwu. They didn't get killed in that in that group. But I just would never do that again, and I hope they don't. They didn't, they didn't do it in the second half either. Maybe that will sort of learn their lesson, but. Other than that, the biggest story of the first quarter was Trey Young getting wherever he wanted to get. Six points, four assists early. Uh, Collins was very good early as well, five and five with two blocks in the first quarter, at least in the first like six, seven minutes. Um, kind of a gla- kind of a glacial pace possession wise. Not a whole lot of running going on. The Hawks scored decently enough in the first quarter when you take a, a sort of pace into account. Had 24 points, but the Knicks scored 16 points in the first quarter. There were seven of 26 from the floor, one of eight from three, including two of 17. Yes, 2 of 17 from shots outside of the basket area. So it was a cold start for New York. They definitely heated up from there, but uh, that was kind of the, uh, gave the Hawks a little bit of a footing in the early going. Um, they brought back Capella early in the second quarter, along with the bench in place of a Kong. That was actually all Kong would play in the entire game was that one stretch in the first half. A couple of nice big plays, I would say, from Kevin Herter early. He had a three-point play in, at the rim, actually, not, not normally what he does, getting to the rim and drawing contact. Then an awesome skip pass to Tony Snell, who made a corner three to go back up by nine points. Um, Trey sat for six-plus minutes in the second quarter, and actually he sat a long time in the, in the second half as well. Uh, we'll definitely t- talk about minutes later on, but that was definitely noteworthy to me. I bumped on that a little bit. The next cut the lead down to four, and the Hawks called a timeout after a pretty bad defensive breakdown. That got the starters back in the game with about seven minutes left in the half. There was an awesome pass by Trey Young to John Collins for a three out of that timeout. But the Knicks kept coming. They had a 12-4 run late to get back within one. 
The Hawks did close the half with offense uh, when it comes to Young, Herter, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Collins together. They ran a pretty nice ATO for a dunk. It was an awesome pass by Trey Young to Collins for a dunk there. Um, but the Hawks led by two at the break. They led by as many as 11, so it's kind of a letdown, I would say, at the halftime break. Offensively, it was fine. They scored about, I would say, a shade over 1.1 points possession in the first half. Kind of season average-like for Atlanta. They took care of the ball. That was a positive. Only two turnovers. But on the flip side, only one free throw attempt in the entire first half. That is very, very low for Atlanta. Um, Collins was very good in the first half, about 12-5 and five with two blocks. Trey had 11. Actually, it was inefficient early. Actually, took 12 shots in the first half to have 11 points. Herter had eight. The Knicks got hot in the second quarter with 14-19 and 19 from the floor. Um, some, weird, some weird stuff rotationally. Derrick Rose played the final 19 minutes of the first half for the Knicks in uh, peak uh, Thibodeau fashion. Anyway, the Hawks up two. You, had, you felt okay about that, but given that they were up 11, it wasn't like smooth sailing at, at that point in time. And uh, obviously, we'll get into all the back and forth in the second half. But first, before we get to that, it worth from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation is, Headspace can really help you feel better if you're overwhelmed. Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members absolutely swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace has been awesome for me to not only reduce stress, but also help me get some rest, uh, sort of recoup and uh, recharge mentally for the busy schedule that I absolutely have on a daily basis. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. And Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go ahead and check out headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA today. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone, and my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you, but right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we'll get in the second half now, and obviously a lot to touch on in the second half of this game. Um, early on, actually, Donnery Hunter got a, uh, a nice start with a pull-up jumper. He had a pretty rough first half offensively, and honestly, it was a big non-factor offensively the entire game. It was a nice shot for him early in the third. The Knicks, though, took the lead. For the first time since it was five to four, 
Um, but from there, Trey Young kind of asserted himself again with four straight points, forcing a timeout. I think he was pushing his pace a little bit. He was able to turn the corner and pick a roll kind of at the mercy of the Knicks. And, you know, for the entire game, this is probably a little bit outlandish to say out loud, and I think it's probably a little bit of exaggeration, but I'm not sure the Knicks stopped the Hawks in double drag, pick and roll the entire game. They kind of had no answers whatsoever for it, and I'll be interested to see what the Knicks do in game two, but for now, Trey got wherever he wanted to go pretty much the whole game. Um, the Knicks did score five straight from there, including a mustard up by R.J. Barrett in transition to tie the game. That came after Trey kind of settled for the really one of the only times all, all, all game long. He took like a pretty bad 30-footer, and that kind of spurred that run. But from there, they got they went back to herdering Gallinari as the first subs again. Uh, late, though, in the third, a 10-0 run by the Knicks to go up by seven. So after the Hawks were in control for most of the game, New York kind of threw their big counterpunch late in the third. The Hawks didn't score for four and a half minutes. Bogdan McDonough hit a three, his first of the night, with 5.04 to go, and the Hawks didn't score again until Lou Williams hit a jumper at, with 32 seconds to go. So four minutes and 32 seconds without a, without any points. Not, not even just a bucket, no points whatsoever, and that is something you just can't afford, and obviously the Knicks took advantage of that, taking the lead. Though, Lou Williams, though, threw a massive punch of his own with five points in the final 32 seconds to sa- sort of save the day offensively, cut the, cut the deficit down from seven to two. That was a big stretch. From Lou. Still, though, the Hawks only scored, only scored 19 points in the third quarter. They were 8 of 24 from the floor and 2 of 9 from 3 with only two free throw attempts. They had three free throw attempts through three quarters. Now, the Hawks' season low free throw attempts for a single game is nine. Now, they beat that uh, because of the fourth quarter, but they had they had three through three quarters, which is pretty crazy uh, and how low that was. Um, Lou, though, by the way, scored the first bucket of the fourth quarter as well, a personal 7 0 run by Lou Williams to erase the deficit entirely, and he had all 11 points, I believe uh, at least 11 of his 13, perhaps, um, after halftime. So it was fantastic in that little stretch. And honestly, that's kind of what you need from Lou every once in a while. Gallinari was pretty brutal, honestly, in this game, but he did have a huge three um, early in the fourth as well. It kind of teared a little with the New York Knicks putting, putting uh, I would say pulling ahead by six, I think it was at one point. Uh, but then Bogdanovich hit, hit a three, and then Lou scored again to cut the lead back down to one. Um, they, they finally brought Trey and Capella back with about seven minutes to go. That was a very, very long break for Young with Lou cooking. But McMillan said for the game that actually Trey kind of just like urged him to leave Lou in there. You know, I would have put Trey back in earlier, to be frank, and that's not that's not a shot at Lou, who was very good in that stretch. But you just need Trey on the court more than they played him in this game. But the Hawks were d- sort of, I would say, down three, under six to go. So that's obviously a challenge. We'll sort of go blow by blow from here to the end of the game. Um, Bogdanovich missed the three that he almost always makes. Uh, he made he made several later on. We'll come back to that later on. But um, the Hawks were then down five after Burks hit a three, 9-2-87. Trey, though, gets to the, gets to the foul, gets to the foul line um, after a pump fake to cut the lead down to three. They brought Hunter back after a long break for some defense. Um, kind of a weirdly bad foul by Bogdanovich from there on Burks, who actually missed a free throw, so he made one of two, put it back to four. Then uh, Young found Capella for easy bucket down to two. So, then a timeout. Uh, they lost. <laughs> the Knicks lost Bogdanovich for a corner three that was pretty open for the lead with about four minutes to go. I have no idea what the Knicks were doing on that play defensively, but it benefited the Hawks because um, Bogdanovich just doesn't miss that shot very often. Um, they got a stop from there. Then Hunter hit a three to go up by four. So, that 6-0 run on those two threes by Bogdanovich and Hunter, it felt like the Hawks were going to maybe run away. Not run away completely, obviously, but going from down five to up four in pretty short order was a big swing. But they weren't done yet. I will say that Trey assisted on three straight buckets there. He was just in total control. 
offensively. Um, but there, uh, Barrett ISOed on Dre Young on the, on, in the post and scored easily over him. Then Young, Young got a jumper blocked, and then Randall hit a three. So that was another sort of the big counterpunch from the Knicks with a 5-0 run there from Randall hitting a three to go up by, go up by one with two minutes to go. But then Trey gets to the line and three-point play to go up by two again. Um, you know, counterpunch, counterpunch, counterpunch. Um, the Knicks hit a corner three with Burks to 101-100. Um, a good idea passed by Trey Young on the, uh, the end of the floor, but he actually threw it away out of bounds off Capella's hand. And then uh, Burks did a sort of a one dribble pull-up jumper to put the Hawks down by three with 111 to go. So that was huge. They call timeout. They're down three with 71 seconds to go. Um, and they brought Herter back in offensively. This is where I'll point out this, and it's going to be at any, any point in the fourth quarter. Todd Gibson was playing, let's just say physically, <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Um if I'm the Hawks, I'm sending a video to the league office of Taj Gibson in the fourth quarter because he was basically playing some sort of like Aussie rules football style in the fourth quarter. And now if you're not going to call it, I, I don't blame him because they were not calling it, but it needs to be called. Like he was playing ridiculously physical, like over the top, clearing guys out, moving guys. And uh, that definitely helped the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Um, but beyond that, though, this is the play that I'm going to argue Obviously, the game winner is the game winner, and we'll come back to that later on. But the big swing play, if I had to pick one in the entire game, was this play. So the Hawks down three. Trey drives, and honestly, he should have turned it over. He threw a pretty bad pass that was kind of off R.J. Barrett. Um, you know, Not that he should have caught it, but it was not a good pass um, in the right corner. But the ball caroms from Barrett to Bogdanovich in perfect fashion in shooting position. Uh, then he hits a contested three. He's been so good for like two plus months now. That goes in. So you go from, if that's a turnover, you don't have the ball. You're down three with 50 seconds to go, something like that. And then you're a big underdog there. Now, with that three, you've tied the game. So that that little play and just having that bounce go your way is huge. And, you know, Trey was awesome in this game. I'm not picking on Trey, but that was a play that they, the Hawks got, got very fortunate on. Now, the Knicks had some fortune, too. Alec Burks was hot in this game. I'm not saying otherwise. Obviously, things balance out. But that play was, if you watch the replay, and they showed it a couple times on the broadcast, the Hawks, I have no idea how that ball got to Bogdanovich, and then he hit a pretty contested, awesome shot to tie the game. So, from there, Burks then finally misses a shot. Um, actually, got a, got a pretty good look. I was surprised he missed it. Uh, sort of a mid-range, like 17-footer. And then they, then they fouled Trey Young with about 20 sec- 28 seconds to go. Um, the Knicks, for some reason, review it. Uh, that was an unwinnable challenge by Thibodeau. Unsuccessful. Uh, Trey makes both free throws, and suddenly the Hawks are up, to, up by two. So they go from down three and potentially turning it over to up two in short order. Then you have this very strange possession by the Knicks in which they get an offensive rebound and a bunch of like weird, long like heave passes. It ends up with Rose hitting a floor to tie the game with 10 seconds to go. My friend Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops has been on this podcast several times, pointed this out, and I actually agree with him. Um, it's almost a good result there because you play good defense. You watch that play over again. The Hawks played very good defensively. On the, well, the only breakdown was the offensive rebound being allowed, but even that was kind of a weird bounce. And, um, you know, having the ball in a tie game there versus having the ball down one, and honestly, the Hawks could have given up a three there pretty easily. They were scrambling the entire possession. Um, you know, you get in a great spot there. Obviously, Trey makes the shot at the end, but um, they bring in all offense, off a timeout, I actually would have thought maybe go without a timeout there. McMillan does like to call that timeout for sure, but um, in a tie game, I might have let just Trey go downhill, and that might have been good, but that, they, they didn't do that. Call timeout. They bring in the offensive lineup with uh, Gallinari and Herter for Capella and Hunter. The Knicks tried to trap Trey top of the court. They brought in um, Frankie Smokes, Frank, Nic- <laughs> Frank Tilakina, who I actually kind of like, 
but uh, he did not have a good moment there. I'm not sure what the plan was for the Knicks on Trey. Um, they had two guys, it was him and Gibson out there, but they let Trey get around him pretty clearly around the trap mid-court to his right. Just a bad angle altogether. Trey makes the play, obviously gets to where he's going, makes the floater with 0.9 seconds to go, and the Hawks go up by two. Um, the Knicks didn't have a timeout, so they got to advance the ball, so they had a chance to win it or tie it, but it didn't even get a shot off. It was a weirdly bad, like, kind of no-hope play from the Knicks down two. Like, you would have thought they were down four there or something. Like, there was like, just kind of no effort there whatsoever by the Knicks, and the Hawks escaped. So, an awesome play by Trey down the stretch. Uh, several awesome plays. He had a ton of assists. The Hawks were really good offensively in the fourth. In fact, the Hawks were 11 of 17 from the floor in the fourth quarter, 5 of 7 from three in the fourth, including three by, by Bogdanovich. So he's been their best shooter all year. Um, he's been ludicrous for the last, you know, two and a half months or so, like short of Steph, the best shooter in the league over the last like two, two and a half months. Um, and that continued in this game, obviously, which is a ton of huge shots down the stretch. And then Trey was just kind of getting wherever he wanted to. I said before, the free throw attempts were something to focus on. Um, we'll go offense and defense here as sort of broad takeaways. Um, offensively, the Hawks did a pretty good job. Um, for one, six turnovers. That's very, very low and impressive against a good defense in the Knicks. Now, free throw attempts, 12, that's less than you would want, but they only allowed 15, so not a huge loss there. They shot the ball slightly below average for them, 56% from the uh, true shooting mark, but that's not too bad. 50 points in the paint, totally fine. Um, only 17 assists, which is like pretty weirdly low, especially when Trey had 10, so only 7 for the rest of the team. Um, but other than that, like you can't complain too much about it because the Hawks were 12-34 from 3, so that included the the hot stretch late. So before the first three quarters, they were pretty cold from three and Badanovich was the only guy who made more than two. Gal was one of seven from three. So that's one to come back to, but you know, offensively, you can't really argue with 1.13 points per possession. against the top five defense in the Knicks. And I think more importantly, I mentioned it earlier, but the Knicks have had no answers for Trey and double drive pick and roll like none at all. They they could run every play and they get a good shot every time. Does that mean they're score every time? No. You know, Trey's gonna get some of those in Florida range. He's gonna miss that jump sometimes. But I'm saying offensively, as a broad takeaway, if you watch this film, there's a lot to be excited about if you're the Hawks. Considering the Knicks are a defensive team, the Hawks did not have many trouble what many troubles whatsoever getting where they wanted to go offensively in this game. Uh defensively, um more of a mixed bag, to be sure. Um, they got some help. You know, part of this is the Hawks for sure. Part of this though is missed shots. Randall and Barrett, the two best players for the Knicks, combined to shoot 12 of 39 from the floor. Julius Randall was 6 of 24. Now, he was definitely due for some cool-off after his bonanza in the regular season against the Hawks, which I said on my podcast last week with Nate Duncan and Jared Dubin and Tyler Jones, etc. But 6 of 24 is not what you expect from Randall. Um, the Hawks did a pretty good job on him, I thought. You know, Collins was more competitive this time around. Hunter did a good job when he was on him. Even Gallinari, I thought, was like pretty solid at times on Randall. That matchup is not good on paper. I understand Gallinari's a bad defender, but he is strong. Um, Gallo is physical. He is someone who is going to be able to bow up on you in the post. Um, and as long as you can keep Randall from isoing him and getting some space around him, if, it, if it's in a tight space, Gallinari could just wall off and be big. Um, Randall was definitely worse and settling for some bad shots than normal, but that was big defensively. Now, they lost Derrick Rose a bunch, and that's a problem, especially when Capella off the court at any point. Um, the defense was kind of uh, substandard, we'll say. And then Alec Burks. Now, part of that is Alec Burks being hot, for sure, but the defensive intensity on him was not particularly great either. So, I think it was kind of a mixed bag defensively. Were the Hawks decent defensively? I would say yes. Were they great? I would say no. 
So, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they did enough to win. But if I'm worried about a side of the floor, it's more defense than offense. Um, because, you know, if you wanted to be pessimistic, I'm not saying you need to do this, but if you wanted to be, you could say, well, the Hawks won by two on a night when Trey was really good, Bogdanovich was pretty good, and Randall and Barrett were really bad. Uh, so, <laughs> you could do that. I'm not saying you should, but, uh, you know, you have to expect Randall to be better than this, for sure. You know, Barrett was maybe more, like, normal-ish um, overall. But Randall was bad in this game. Uh, and you think, given the matchup and all that stuff, that he'll be better than this moving forward. So, uh, you know, still overall, the Hawks did it, you know, number-wise, they scored enough and held the Knicks to, like, a pretty appropriate um, spot. The one thing that I will point to is the Hawks actually lost the rebounding battle in this game pretty badly, um, which is not normal with Capella available. So that's something to circle. The, a lot of extra opportunities for the Knicks, extra possessions. They took five more shots. And three more free throws in this game, which is going to bite you if you keep if you keep letting it happen the rest of the way. But other than that, the Hawks played a pretty solid game, especially when you account for it being on the road in uh, game one and all that stuff. Okay, before we get to the individual breakdowns and a little bit more on the rest of the series, a word from our sponsor of today's podcast, and the first of which is Indeed. Imagine you're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is to make your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier, and you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screening interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete your video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so that you only have to pay for your applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, before we get out of here, we'll get into the individual breakdowns. As I said before, the Hawks played 10 guys in this game. Only nine in the second half, though. Akongwu played three minutes in the first half. He was a largely, uh, largely non-factor not a huge surprise. Like he's obviously been a swing guy where they could or could not use him. I talked about that a lot in the last several weeks. Um, so it didn't surprise me that they used him in the first half and didn't use him in the second half. Um, if he didn't play at all on Wednesday, it wouldn't shock me. But he's, he's sort of that extra piece. Um, also Solomon Hill, a DNPCD in this game. That does not shock me either. Um, I thought there was a world in which they might need to throw Solomon Hill out there for some defense on Randall, but on a night when Randall was struggling, they didn't even have to consider that. And they went with Tony Snell instead. That's totally fine. I think. Using a little bit less of the bench would be a good idea in this uh, sort of moving forward. Broadly speaking, the Hawks didn't play guys as much as I thought they probably should have, given that they had a week off and then two more days off after this. Uh, I know it might not seem like it, but um, 35, 36, 36 minutes in a playoff game is not a lot for your starters. Um, in general, I think you could probably go up to 38, 40 for guys who really are key, and uh, that'll be something to keep kind of, sort of keep in mind moving forward. Anyway, with the bench... Um, the guys who played the, the least were actually Snell and Lou Williams. Tony Snell, 13 minutes, three points, two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. He kind of did Tony Snell stuff, made uh, his 1-3 from the corner on a nice pass by Herter. Lou was awesome 
in that one stretch. The first half, not as, not as much. Second half, though, 11 points um, and really cooking. Uh, and that's what you need from Lou. Obviously, he can't do that every night. He's not going to come out and like, carry your offense every single time he's out there. But that was a big part of this game. If Lou doesn't go off in that, in that third, fourth quarter stretch, the Hawks probably lose. Um, so keep that in mind. You can't, you can't rely on that, but he's definitely capable of it. And that's why you have Lou around 13 minutes for him. And I was encouraged to see they did not try Lou and Trey together. I think I probably would have tempted Nate in this game just because Lou had it going and you want to get Trey back in there, but it's just not going to work in the playoff setting, I don't think. So they went away from that, and there you go. Um, elsewhere on the bench, you have Gallinari and Herter. Gallinari was uh, struggling, we'll say, <laughs> offensively. 3 three eleven from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. So obviously not his best night. 7 points, a rebound, an assist, a steal. Did have a block, had 4 fouls, minus 4. Uh, he was not good. It's tough to play Gallo if he's not going to shoot well. Um, I, I saw some people calling him in my mentions for Gallinari to not play anymore in the second half. They're going to ride with him. Um, maybe not this much. I think I would have maybe supported playing him a little bit less down the stretch, but just a kind of a bad night for him offensively. Again, I think defensively, he had some pretty bad moments, but I actually thought that he was capable-ish on Randall. Uh, I don't love that matchup, and I get why it sounds crazy, but he actually, if you watch it, in the, po- in the in, when he was actually guarding Randall straight up, on the interior, he does a decent job. So, I'm not sure I'd go to that a lot, but it's a wrinkle the Hawks could use if they need to. And the Herder, I thought, played solid. He wasn't fantastic, but at 8 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, a steal, 2 block shots for Kevin Herder, uh, plus 2, 27 minutes. Um, his points came uh, sort of in, in bunches, a 3-point play, and that, only 1 of 4 from 3, but I thought he was pretty solid. Nothing fantastic, but more than enough to sort of be that six starter type in this game. Obviously, there were seven guys who played more than the others, um, and that makes a lot of sense. Those are sort of the core seven for this playoff run. I would say the five starters plus Gallinari and Herter, and then you get into, you know, lose a backup point guard type. That's eight, and then you might. Um, you could go as little as that with your rotation if you wanted to. I think they're probably going to play nine with Snell, I would imagine, as the, leader, as the lead guy um, in place of Solomon Hill, uh, given what happened tonight. But we'll come back to that as we need to. Um, to the starters. Gary Hunter played 22 minutes. That was definitely surprisingly low. Uh, I'm not sure if it was minutes or performance or both. Obviously, by 24 minutes in the finale, I think his limit is higher than this, but McMillan did not uh, elaborate. In fact, would not elaborate at all about his minutes limit before the game started. So 22 minutes. He was not very good on offense, which might have been the problem here. Obviously, he's a big de- he's a big defensive upgrade on um, guys like Kevin Herter, uh, even Tony Snell. But offensively, he was uh, pretty uneven, pretty rusty, I thought, in the first half. He was minus 7, um, 5 points, 4 rebounds. We'll see what he's what he's got on Wednesday. And I think he did a decent job on Randall for sure, but I would just hesitate to give him all the credit because I saw, again, some of that, like, oh, 100 came back, so that's why they stopped Randall. Uh, I would not say that because he didn't play a whole lot on him. He did play some on him, but not, 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 not enough to, like, have that narrative actually take hold. Um, the other four guys... Played 34 minutes or more, but none, none more than 36. So, as I said, uh, you know, Bogdanovich actually has been leading the team in minutes for the last two months, which I think has kind of flown under the radar. He's been playing a ton of minutes, and uh, that should probably happen. He's been really good. But I would definitely be playing Capella. Maybe not, you know, Capella's the one guy where it actually might be a workload issue, but for sure, Collins, Bogdanovich, Trey, I'd be playing them even more than this if it was up to me, uh, especially if they have time off after the games. Um... We'll go to we'll go to Capella first. Nine points, thirteen rebounds, two block shots, plus eight. Um, offensively, he was not particularly dynamic in this game, which is unsurprising. But the Knicks were definitely taking away the lob. Which they tried to take away the lob against Trey, um, which is a strategy. I mean, you're, you're going to force Trey into taking a bunch of floaters, making him more making him more of a scorer. I get all that, but with 
the only sort of downside for that for Capella is that he doesn't have much else to do offensively. But what Trey has it going doesn't really matter. And then defensively, Capella, you know, as it has been all year long, it's night and day when he's on versus when he's off the court defensively. It's just it's kind of the name of the game. When he's on, when he's out there, the Hawks get stops. When he's not, they have they have some trouble. But I thought he, I thought he was pretty good, not, not like terribly special, but certainly a solid night for Clint. Collins was better in the first half and the second half, but still, I think his production undersells how good he was. 12.7 rebounds, two two uh, two blocks, I should say, and a steal in 35 minutes. Obviously, not, not a ton of shots. They didn't need to like mismatch hunt with him a lot because Trey was getting anywhere he wanted to, so they didn't really have the temptation to sort of iso Collins on whatever matchup. Um, I think defensively, he was quite good. A couple of nice um, support plays defensively, made a lot of energy plays, kind of flying around. I think he was like good, like actually good in this game despite the modest numbers. And uh, more of that from Collins would be appreciated, of course, for the Hawks. And then Bogdanovich, um, game high plus 17. Uh, you know, so, so that's a little bit of noise, as always. But 18 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 4 of 9 from 3. But again, 3 of those came in the 4th quarter. 7 of 15 from, from the floor, so only 3 of 6 on 2, which is not terrible by any means. Um, and 4 fouls, but I thought he was good. I mean... Was he, like, fantastic before the fourth quarter? No, I think, honestly, I, I, I probably argue that he was maybe below average for where he's been this year until the fourth. And, of course, right on cue, he makes three threes and makes a bunch of big plays. And, um, you know, he's famously one of the guys who's not been, who's not, who's quote-unquote not been, not been in the playoffs for the Hawks. But he's been in a ton of high-level games and crazy atmospheres over in Europe before he came to the, to the Kings. So people think of him as the Kings guy. Um, he has plenty of experience. He's a vet. Uh, I would not have to worry about him whatsoever. And he obviously was ready for that moment. And then Trey Young. 32 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, uh, only, two tur- only 2 turnovers. That's huge as well for him. Got to the line 9 times, made all 9. That's obviously massive. Um, was not like, incredibly efficient um, from the floor until the 4th when he was much better. But 11 of 23, 11 of 23 from the floor, 1 of 3 from 3. Um, and again, only one kind of bad force 3. You know, he, he really got to the point where he knew that he could get anywhere he wanted to offensively in pick and roll. He was turning the corner. Um whenever he wanted, whenever he needed to, um, sort of dicing them up. And the Knicks didn't ever make an adjustment. Now, I wonder if there'll be a wrinkle or two in Game 2 that might throw something else at him. But as Jared Dubin said on my podcast last week, it felt like Trey figured out the Knicks in that third game of the regular season. And it felt like he knew what he was going to do in this game and got to wherever he needed to go. So if that happens the rest of the series, the Hawks would be in great shape. Um, Trey was very, very good. Yeah, you saw a couple times in this game, defensively him get picked on and that's definitely going to happen but if he's this good offensively and the Knicks have no way to stop him it's not going to matter a whole lot so that'll do it for the individual stuff but anyway a nice win for the Hawks to bring sort of things full circle obviously you know the Hawks should be favored and will be favored in terms of betting market to win the series now with a road win with a road win and now I want to lead of course Wednesday is a pivot game um you know on one hand you could argue that the damage is done you got the one on the road that's all you needed on the other hand, if you go up 2-0 in New York, you are now a commanding favorite. Or Versus if you lose game two, and now the Knicks have some juice, um, I would still argue the Hawks are probably still favored, if they even if they lose game two. But uh, it's a lot more coin flip again if they lose that game. So obviously game two has huge importance. I don't have to tell anybody that. But that's on, not going to be until Wednesday. A long break here. So another long break. After a, a week off, uh, the Hawks now have full... Full two days off with no travel Monday and Tuesday. I'm sure they'll practice a little bit on on those days, but that'll be happening. And then they play Wednesday night at MSG again. And I'm sure Trey will be hearing it from the MSG faithful after some comments that he made after the game, sort of uh, gassing them up a little bit. A lot of fun, honestly. 
Um, as an objective NBA observer, that was a fun game. Lots of you know back and forth haymakers, a star doing star things in Trey, an atmosphere that happened there, um, some actual rivalry juice. Obviously, I would not call Hawks Knicks a rivalry right now, but uh, certainly had some buzz in the building for this one. And uh, you know Trey, Trey embraces the moment in a fun way. So a nice fun game to uh, start the series, and the Hawks now in the driver's seat. Well, they want to win. Um, so that'll do it for today's podcast. Uh, as you probably noticed at the beginning of the podcast, this is episode 999, so my next episode is episode 1000. Um, if you see them in your podcast feed, I actually have more than 1,000 episodes on the feed itself because of bonus podcasts and special episodes, whatever else, but episode 1000 is coming either Monday or Tuesday. That'll be coming. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to drop, and I don't want to tease everything that I have, or at least the guests that I have hopefully planned to come on the podcast I never do that anyway, so in case something happens. But episode 1000 will be coming. There'll be at least one show between now and the game on Wednesday, and that will be it. So please subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Also read all the written content at Peachtree Hoops. I was, uh, as I said on the podcast last week, I was out of I was out of commission for some wedding festivities. So uh, Zach Hood took the reins and uh, was the lead editor at Peachtree Hoops. But lots of written content that was awesome from Malik Brown and Graham Chapel and Glenn Willis and uh, all kinds of awesome stuff, roundtables that I waited on, um, just, oh yeah, also Rashad Milligan wrote a piece about Dominic Wilkins, all this stuff that was happening in written form, so I don't often plug that stuff always, but that was also worth your time, I believe Graham Chapel will be writing about game one that will be up, maybe by the time you listen to this on Monday morning, so, a fun night at the office for the Hawks on Sunday, game two Wednesday, you'll have another podcast in your feed between now and then, please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family, all that stuff, and we'll see you next time.